The Secret Garden Mary Lennox was a spoilt, rude, and bad-tempered child. She was never really well, and she was thin and miserable and sour-faced. No one liked her at all. None of this was really Mary's own fault. She was born in India, where her father worked. He was always busy with his work and paid no attention to his daughter. Her mother was very pretty and cared only for parties and pleasure. She left Mary in the care of an Indian nursemaid who gave the little girl everything she wanted so she would not cry and upset her mother. So not surprisingly, Mary grew up into a spoilt and most unpleasant child. One hot morning, when Mary was nine years old, she had a strange feeling that something was wrong. From her room, she heard shouts and cries and the patter of hurried feet, but no one came to her. She lay back on her bed and fell asleep. When she awoke, the house was silent. Still, no one came to her and she was angry that she had been forgotten. Suddenly the door opened, and two Englishmen came in. Why was I forgotten? Mary asked, stamping her foot. Why does nobody come? Poor little kid, one of them said. There's no one left to come. That was how Mary had learned that her father and mother had been killed by a disease sweeping the country. The servants had died too. Mary was alone. There was no one in India to look after her, so she was sent all the way to England to live with her uncle, Mr. Craven, at a manor in Yorkshire. In London, Mary was met by Mrs. Medlock, her uncle's housekeeper. Mary disliked her at once, but then Mary disliked everyone. Mrs. Medlock thought Mary was plain and rude, and she was quite right. As they travelled up north, she told Mary about the house. It sounded very grand and gloomy, and stood on the edge of a moor. There'll be nothing for you to do, and your uncle won't bother with you, said Mrs. Medlock. He's got a crooked back. He was a sir young man until he married. His wife was very pretty, and he worshipped her. But then she died. It made him more strange than ever. He's away most of the time, so you'll have to look after yourself. It was dark when they got off the train. A carriage took them to the house, but Mary could not see anything but rainy blackness. What's the moor like? she asked. It's just miles and miles of wild land, replied Mrs. Medlock. Nothing grows there but gorse and heather, and nothing lives on it but wild ponies and sheep. 
At last the carriage stopped in the courtyard. A butler opened the huge oak door. You're to take her to her room, he said to Mrs. Medlock. The master is going to London tomorrow, and he doesn't want to see her. Mary followed Mrs. Medlock upstairs and through many corridors to a room with a fire burning and supper on the table. This is where you will live, said Mrs. Medlock. Just see you stay here and don't go poking around the rest of the house. This was Mary's welcome to the manor. It made her feel cross and unwanted and lonely. The next morning, Mary awakened to find the housemaid lighting her fire. She was called Martha, and she chatted as she was working. Mary was not used to friendly servants. In India, you never had to say please or thank you. And once she had slapped her nurse's face when she was angry. Somehow she knew that she must not treat Martha this way. At first, Mary had no interest in Martha's chatter, but little by little she began to listen to the friendly Yorkshire voice. You should see all my brothers and sisters in our little cottage on the moor, Martha said. There's twelve of us, and my father only gets sixteen shillings a week. My mother has a job to feed them all. The fresh air on that moor makes them strong and healthy. Our Dixon, he's twelve. He's always out in the moor. He's good with animals. He tamed the wild pony. When Martha left, Mary went out to play. Go and look at the gardens, Martha said. There's not much growing now, but it's lovely in the summer. And she stopped for a second and said softly, One garden has been shut for ten years, ever since Mrs. Craven died. Mr. Craven locked the door and buried the key. He hates that garden. The grounds of the manor were huge. They were divided by high walls, so there were many gardens. In some there were flowers and trees and fountains. Vegetables grew in others. Doors led from one garden to the next, and every garden looked bare and wintry. Presently, an old man came through one of the doors. He had a surly old face did not seem pleased to see Mary. Can I go through that door? asked Mary. If you like, he replied. There's not to see. Mary was hoping to find a door to the locked garden. She tried many doors, but they all opened easily. There was one wall covered with ivy, that seemed to have no door at all. She could see behind the trees there was a wall. A robin, high on the branch, burst into song. She stopped to listen, and the cheerful notes brought a little smile to her unhappy face. 
She wandered back to the old man, who ignored her and went on digging. At last she said, There's a garden over there without the door. What garden? he asked gruffly. On the other side of that wall, she replied. I heard Robin in the tree. The old man stood up, and a smile spread across his face. Mary saw how much nicer he looked when he smiled. He whistled very softly, and the robin landed by the man's foot. Here he is, he said quietly. He always comes when I whistle. Isn't he a grand little chap? Look, he knows we're talking about him. The robin, plump and scarlet-breasted, hopped about pecking the earth. Ben Witherstaff, the gardener, went on digging. He's the only friend I've got, he said. When he's not with me, I'm lonely. I'm lonely too, said Mary. I've never had any friends. Ben stopped and looked at her. I reckon we're a good bit alike, he said. We're not good looking, and we're as sour as we look. Mary had never thought before about her sour face or bad temper. Now that she did, it made her feel uncomfortable. Just then, the robin flew up into the tree and sang with all his voice. He's taken a fancy to you, said Ben. He wants to be your friend. Mary looked up at the robin. Would you like to be my friend? She asked. She spoke softly and kindly, instead of in her usual hard little voice. Why? Said Ben. You sound like a real child instead of a sharp old woman. That was nearly like Dickon, when he talks to the wild things on the moor. The robin flew over the wall. There must be a door to that garden, Mary said with determination. Well, there's none to be found now, snapped Ben. Don't go poking your nose places where they don't belong. And he walked off without saying goodbye. Mary spent most days out of doors. The cold wind brought a pink glow to her cheeks. And each evening, she ate a good meal. And after supper, she liked to sit by the fire and talk to Martha. Why does Mr. Craven hate the locked garden? Mary asked one evening. It was Mrs. Craven's garden. She loved it, Martha said. She was sitting on the branch of a tree when it broke and she fell. She was hurt so bad she died. That's why he hates it. He won't let anyone talk about it. Mary had never felt sorry for anyone before, but she understood how very unhappy Mr. Craven must be. The wind blew across the moor 
and moaned and roared around the house. Martha called it the Wuthering. Mary listened, and through the Wuthering, she thought she heard a child crying. No, Martha said when Mary asked. It's only the wind or the scullery maid. She's been crying all day with toothache. She quickly left the room. The next day poured down. On a day like this at home, said Martha, we all try to keep busy indoors. Except Dickon. He goes out in all weathers. He brought home a fox cub that he found half drowned. He's got a crow too, calls it soup. Left on her own, Mary decided to explore the house. She went down the corridors and up and down the stairs. In the stillness, she heard again and again the faint sound of a child crying. And she stopped to listen at the door. Another door opened and out came Mrs. Medlock. What are you doing here? She demanded. Get back to your room at once. Mary was angry. She knew she heard that cry, and she meant to find out what it was. The storms passed. Wait until the sun dries on the golden gorse and the heather, said Martha. I'd like to see your cottage on the moor and meet your mother, said Mary. Ah, oh, you'd love my mother. Martha said. She's very kind, loving, and hard-working. When it's my day out, I can go home and see her. I just jump for joy. I'd like to see Dickon, too. Yes, you'd like him, Martha said. Everyone likes Dickon. No one likes me said Mary sadly. Well, maybe that's because you don't like other people, Martha said smiling. I'd never thought of that, said Mary. Mary found Ben in the garden. Spring's coming, he said. The plants are working under the soil. You'll soon see crocuses and daffy-down-dillies. The robin flew over, and Mary followed him. He landed on his perch on the ivy-covered wall. He hopped down onto the soil. As Mary came nearer, he pecked at the earth for a worm. Suddenly, in the soil, Mary saw a rusted key. Perhaps it's the key to the secret garden, she thought slipping it into her pocket. After supper, Martha told Mary about her day. Mother has sent you a present to cheer you up. She brought out some skipping ropes with striped handles and showed Mary how to skip. Your mother is very kind, said Mary. Wondering how Martha's mother could have spared the money to buy her a rope. Now, wherever she went, Mary skipped. The more she skipped, the stronger she grew. 
One morning, Mary was watching the robin on his perch, when suddenly something happened that felt like magic. A gust of wind blew the ivy on the wall. Under the leaves, Mary saw a door. She felt for the key in her pocket and tried it in the lock. It was very stiff, but she could just turn it. In a second, she was in the secret garden. Mary's heart thumped and she looked around. It was overgrown and untidy, but she thought it was the loveliest place. She saw green shoots of bulbs pushing through the soil, and she pulled the weeds away to make room for the crocuses and the snowdrops. The time slipped by as she went on weeding and clearing the dead leaves and grass. At supper time, she longed to share her secret with Martha, but she dared not in case she should forbid her to go back to the secret garden. Instead, she said, I wish I had a bit of a garden to grow things in. That's a lovely idea, said Martha. I'll get Dickon to bring you some garden tools and seeds to plant. Mary worked with her hands in the secret garden every day. She was careful that Ben Witherstaff never saw where she went. One day Ben said to her, This fresh air is doing you good. You're a little bit fatter, not so yellow. You looked like a young plucked crow when you first came. Mary grew. And she laughed. She even liked Ben on his grumpy days. One day, Mary saw a boy sitting under the tree. Two rabbits and a pheasant were near him. And a squirrel clung to the tree above his head. They all seemed to be listening to a tune he was playing on his pipe. The boy got up slowly, so not to frighten the animals. His blue eyes smiled from his round, rosy face. I'm Dickon, he said to Mary. I've brought you garden tools and some flower seeds. His smile was so gentle that Mary forgot to be shy. She felt that if the animals trusted him, she could trust him too. After a while, she asked, Do you know about the secret garden? I've heard of it, he said, but I don't know where it is. Making sure no one was watching, Mary led him through the door in the wall. Dickon was amazed. He looked around at all the plants and trees. All these will grow, he said. There will be flowers and roses and everywhere in a few weeks. And they worked together, weeding and pruning. Mary felt she had never known anyone like Dickon. Trying to speak in a warm Yorkshire voice like Dickens, she asked, Do you like me? Eh? laughed Dickon. That I does, and so does Robin. After dinner, Mrs. Medlock came to take Mary to see Mr. Craven. He's going away tomorrow, and he wants to see you first. 
Mary felt a little bit afraid and very awkward and stiff. But Mr. Craven wasn't a bit frightening. Nor was his back really crooked. His face was handsome. But he looked full of worry and misery. He asked if there was anything she would like. Mary asked for a piece of the garden to grow her flowers. Of course, said her uncle. Take any bits that are not being used. Mary knew which bits would be. She could call her secret garden her own. In the night, Mary was awakened by heavy rain and the weathering of the wind. She couldn't sleep, and she lay tossing in bed. She heard the crying again. That's never the wind, she whispered. I don't care what Mrs. Medlock says, I'm going to find out what that noise is. Candlestick in hand, she walked softly along the corridors. She saw some light shining under a door, and she pushed the door open and there lying on a four-poster bed was a boy, crying pitifully. He turned suddenly and stopped crying. Are you a ghost? he asked, frightened. No, I'm Mary Lennox, she answered. Who are you? I'm Mr. Craven's son, Colin, said the boy. So I must be your cousin, said Mary. Did no one tell you I'd come to live here? No, no one would dare, replied Colin. I should have been afraid you'd seen me. My father won't let people see me. He's afraid I'll grow up to be a hunchback. And I'm always ill, so I stay here in bed. My father hates me because my mother died when I was born. Have you always been here? asked Mary. Nearly always. If I go out, people stare and I can't stand it. And if you don't like people to see you, shall I go away? Oh no! Stay and talk to me. Mary sat on a cushioned stool next to the bed. And they talked for a long time. And Colin wanted to know all about Mary, and she answered all of his questions. He told her how miserable and lonely he felt, even though he was given whatever he asked for. All the servants have to please me, Colin said. It makes me ill to be angry, so everyone has to do as I say. Do you think you will ever get well? asked Mary. I don't suppose I shall. I think I'm going to die. But let's talk about something else. How old are you? I'm ten, the same as you, Mary said. How do you know I'm ten? Because the garden was locked ten years ago and that's when you were born. What garden? Oh, just a garden Mr. Craven hates. Mary replied. He locked the door and buried the key. What's the garden like? Colin persisted. No one has been allowed to see it for ten years, Mary answered. She was careful not to let him know she'd already found it. Colin wanted to know all he could 
and they talked about exciting things they might find in there. I shall make them open the door, Colin said. Oh no, cried Mary. Let's just keep it a secret. If they open the door, it will never be a secret again. Perhaps one day we may find the door. We could go inside and no one would know about it but us. I should like that, said Colin. I never had a secret before. Tired from talking, he fell asleep and Mary crept away. The next morning, Mary told Martha about the crying and how she found poor Colin. Martha was very upset. She thought she might lose her job for allowing Mary to find the young master of the house. You needn't worry, Mary told her. Colin was pleased, and he wants to see me every day. You must have bewitched him, Martha cried. What's the matter with him? Mary asked. Martha told her that since he was born, Colin had not been allowed to walk. His father thought his back too weak. Your famous doctor has been to see him, and he said he would get strong if less fuss was made of him, but he was spoiled and given his own way. Colin thinks he will die, said Mary. Do you think so? Mother says there's no reason for a child to live if he can't get out in the fresh air, Martha replied. It's done me good to be outside, said Mary. Do you think it would help Colin? I don't know, Martha said. He had a bad tantrum when he was taken into the garden. He got angry because he thought one of the gardeners was looking at him. He cried so much he was ill all night. Well, said Mary. If he ever gets angry with me, I shan't go see him again. On her next visit to Colin, Mary told him about Dickon. He's not like anyone else, she said. He can charm the animals on the moor. When he plays his pipe, they come and listen. The moor sounds like a wonderful place, said Colin. But I'll never see it. I'm going to die. How do you know? Mary asked, feeling a little cross. Colin talked about dying almost as though it pleased him. Everyone says I will, Colin replied. I think my father will be glad when I'm not here. I don't believe that, said Mary. That famous doctor was right. They should make less fuss of you. And they should let you go out. If you could only see Deacon, you'd get well. And she told him about Dickens' family, who were so poor, but they were so happy. It rained for a week, so Mary could not visit the garden. Instead, she spent her days with Colin. And they read and talked, and for the first time, Colin started to laugh. They often spoke of the garden, of what might be in it, and Mary longed to share her secret with him. But she felt that she could not yet trust him. After the rain, Mary awoke early. She found the sun streaming through the blinds, and when she ran down to the secret garden, she found that Dickon was already there. I couldn't stay in bed on a morning like this, he cried. Look at the garden! The rain 
and the warmth had made all the new shoots push up. When there were clumps of orange and purple crocuses, Mary was breathless with happiness. The robin was building a nest. We mustn't watch too close, warned Dickens. He's too busy. A whole week had passed since Mary had last seen Dickens, and she told him about finding Colin. If we could get him out here, said Dickens, he'd forget about lumps growing on his back. We'd just be two lads, and a little less, looking on the springtime. It'd do him more good than the doctor's stuff. When Mary went in at the end of the day, Martha told her that Colin was angry because she had not seen him. I won't let that boy come if you stay with him instead of me. Colin raged when Mary went to see him. You're selfish for not coming. What are you? snapped Mary. You're the most selfish person I know. Well, I'm going to die, wailed Colin. I don't believe it, said Mary sourly. You only want people to be sorry for you, but they're not. You're too nasty. And she marched to the door and called back. I was going to tell you about Dickon and his fox and the crow, but I shan't now. And she shut the door firmly behind her. Later, as she thought of Colin's lonely day, her anger faded and she felt sorry for him. If he wants to see me tomorrow, she thought, I'll go and sit with him. In the night, Mary awakened by noises in the corridor. She could hear sobbing and screaming. Is Colin having a tantrum, she thought. She covered her ears, but she couldn't shut out the dreadful sounds. She jumped out of bed and stamped her foot angrily. Somebody must stop him, she cried. He deserves a beating for being so selfish. He's upsetting everyone in the house. And she ran into Colin's room and shouted, Stop! I hate you! You'll scream yourself to death in a minute and I wish you would! Colin looked dreadful. His face had swollen and he was gasping and joking. But Mary was too angry to care. If you scream again, I shall scream louder. I can't stop, sobbed Colin. I felt a lump coming on my back. Turn over and let me look, Mary ordered. She looked carefully at the poor thin back. There's not a lump. Don't you ever talk about it again. Colin's sobbing slowly died and Mary sat by his bed quietly comforting him until he fell to sleep. In the morning, Mary found Dickon in the garden with the squirrels, and she told him of Colin's sobbing that night. We must get him out here, poor lad, said Deacon. Mary copied Dickon, and he laughed. You must speak a bit of Yorkshire to Colin. It'd make him laugh. Your mother says laughing's good for ill folk. When Mary went to see Colin, she told him about Dickon and his squirrels, nuts and shells. And they laughed and they talked about it for a long time. And then Colin said, I'm sorry that I said I'd send Dickon away. I didn't mean it. 
He sounds like a wonderful boy. I'm glad you said that, because he's coming to see you and he's bringing his animals. Colin cheered up. He looked so happy that Mary suddenly decided to take a chance. And that's not all. There's something better. I found the door to the garden. Colin was overjoyed. And shall we go and see what's inside, he asked. Mary paused, then boldly told the truth. I've already been in, and that's why I could tell you so much about it. I didn't dare tell you my secret until I was sure I could trust you. At breakfast, Colin announced to his nurse, a boy and some animals are coming to see me. Bring them straight up when they arrive. And it wasn't long before Mary heard bleating. That's Dickon's lamb, she cried. They're coming. Dickon came in smiling. He carried a lamb, and the little fox trotted beside him. Nut the squirrel sat on one shoulder and Soot the crow on the other. His other squirrel shell peeped out of his pocket. Colin stared in wonder. Dickon gently put the lamb on Colin's lap and gave him a bottle to feed it. They were all so busy and happy together. I'm going to see it all, cried Colin. And he was put in his chair and Dickon pushed him out along the paths. And as they went, Mary told Colin about the places they'd passed. Here's where I met Ben, and this is where I saw the robin, and this, this is the garden. Mary opened the door, and Dickon pushed the chair inside quietly, and Colin looked around for a long time, seeing all the things that Mary had described, and then he cried out, I shall get well, I shall live forever and ever, and that afternoon the whole world changed for Colin. It's been a grand day, said Dickon. Yeah, it has, said Mary. I don't want this day to go, said Colin, but I shall come back every day. That you will, said Dickon, and we shall soon have you digging and walking. But suddenly, Ben Witherstaff's face glared down from the top of the wall. What are you doing in there? He shouted at Mary. And then he saw Colin, and his mouth opened in surprise. Do you know who I am? Colin asked. Aye, that I do. You're the poor crippled lad. And Colin sat up angrily. I'm not a cripple, I'll show you. He struggled out of his chair, and without Dickens' help, he stood straight and tall. Now look at me. God bless, lad. And Ben had tears running down his face. Colin remained standing, and he suddenly felt the fear leave him. I'm not afraid anymore, he cried. It's the magic of the secret garden. It's working to make all the plants grow, and it will work for me. That evening, Colin was quiet. After a long time, he said to Mary, I'm not going to be a poor thing anymore. If I believe I shall get strong and well, the magic will make it happen. The next day, Colin called Mary and Dickon and Ben to help him. I'm going to show you that the magic works, he said. And slowly taking a few steps at a time, Colin walked right round the garden. His face was flushed with joy. This must be the biggest secret of all, he said. When I can walk and run well, I shall walk right into my father's study and say, Here I am, well and strong. 
It was very hard to keep the secret. The magic of the secret garden was making Colin bright-eyed and rosy-cheeked. And each day Colin and Mary did exercises to make them strong, and they both grew plumper and healthier. Mary became pretty, and Colin no longer looked like an invalid. Everyone was amazed at the change. Now, while the secret garden was working its magic, Mr. Craven was travelling in faraway places. For ten years he'd been trying to run away from his sorrow, and he had refused to be comforted. Then one day, whilst walking in Austria, he sat down by a stream. Gradually, he felt his mind and his body relax, and the peace of the place filled him, and from that moment he felt healthier and happier. And one night he dreamt of his wife's garden at the manor. The dream was so clear that he decided to return home at once. As soon as he arrived home, he went to the garden. He walked slowly, as all his sad memories came rushing back, as he stood by the door of the secret garden, wondering how to find the key, he heard laughter coming from the other side of the wall. Suddenly the door burst open. The boy ran out, almost into his arms. He was tall and handsome, and Mr. Craven gazed at him, unable to speak. Colin stood still and recovered his breath. Then he said, Father, I'm Colin. You can't believe it, but it's true. He led his father into the garden and told him how the magic had made everything grow, that it had made him strong as well. Mr. Craven had never heard such wonderful news. He sat by Mary and Dickon and the animals and laughed, as he had not done for years. He was so proud of his handsome, healthy son. Now... It needn't be a secret any more. I shall never need my chair again, and I shall walk with you, father. They stood up and walked towards the house. At Mr. Craven's side, strong and healthy, 